And I start with all my guests just asking them what in their story led up to their mission. Well, thank you. Uh, Since we are entering into fall, I'm very moved by the Tolkien series, of course. You and I share a little bit of a love. And my daughter, Catherine, and I, uh, family fun day would be the day after Christmas where I'd take the family to a movie and we'd pray in adoration and good snacks and that sort of thing. And um, when the kids were all in the house, one of them was were the Hobbit trilogy. So this mm-hmm. followed the Lord of the Rings, which I thought were very superbly done. And I'm more of a reader than I am a movie consumer. I thought Peter Jackson did a great job. When we got to the Hobbit and they were old enough to go in consecutive years, I have to say I was so tired on the 26th. I pretty much slept through those. It was like sleep time and I tried to watch. So fast forward, here we are, decade or whatever later. Now, Catherine, who is 20 years old, she said, Dad, let's watch those again. I'll say they took a lot of license with The Hobbit, but I really enjoyed them. And I'm reading the book again, maybe the third or fourth time to make the point and somewhat set the stage for your question. This odd guy with a pointed hat comes on the scene and breaks into this Hobbiton village and says, do you want to go on an adventure? And of course, uh, Bilbo doesn't quite know what to say, but before we know it, he has all these little creatures that show up and they're eating all his food, a little bit like parenthood, a little Mm -hmm. bit like fatherhood. Um, There's this invitation by this kind of mystical creature, I'll say the Trinity God invites us to go on an adventure. And in a sense, Bilbo, in the beginning, I note this, he struggles a little bit with, do I want to just remain lethargic? Do I want to remain just contained? Or am I made for an adventure? Am I made for something greater? Am I made to, um, I don't know, that there's a horizon out there that I haven't quite touched? And Gandalf unfolds that and it begins sort of the analogy of little children. We have seven children, one in heaven. Anyway, so um, to answer your question, so going back in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, I'm one of seven children, and this would have been in the 70s, uh, very devout parents, very Catholic faithful. In fact, I like to say my dad even did that peculiar thing that was uncommon among Catholics of leading us in prayer from the heart. Mm -hmm. Now, he did it as someone as a German, but he was, he was a man who I, both alive, greatly admire as somebody who said, do we, do we own the words that we're praying? So start mm-hmm. there. I inherited a sense from my dad and my mom, but certainly my dad of, don't just say the Our Father. Don't just say the Mass. Don't just say the Rosary. And would annoy my mom sometimes, but he would slow it down, say, listen, think about what we're saying. Our Father. There's that little skit, the Our Father skit, which is kind of not just cute, but insightful. Am I really attuned that God is hearing me? Start there. To be mindful that in this very moment, God holds me in existence. He's listening. He cares. My father, who is an icon of the father in heaven, because it's a harrowing thing to be a dad, and he has his mistakes, as we all do. We, we are very imperfect representations, but he imparted on us a sense that God is present with us. All right, so I'm the second oldest six boys and a girl, and as we entered into those teen years— um, we were no longer, if you will, those six little ducklings sitting in the front pews that my parents were so proud of— an older brother started making decisions that were, I should say, kind of shameful and casting a light of, of less than positive regard for our family. And that can conflicted, I will say, with this sense of we're the Schleter family, you carry the Schleter name. So simultaneously, I'm getting this sense that faith is not just a status. Hmm. It's not just how we want to appear. It's who we fundamentally are. And I would say there's maybe a little bit of that pride in those generations of parents who loved God, but there was a sense of how we appear to others. There was a disconnect between how we presented ourselves and who we really are. So I was kind of taking note and desiring, shall we say, integrity. Um, As my elder brother was making decisions, what happens when your hero older brother does that? 
the younger brother started to follow. And before you knew it, our family kind of found themselves in a bit of chaos. And I saw this spreading throughout my peers. I saw them making choices, a little bit like the Pied Piper, who plays this beautiful sound. And we have these appetites for, for let's face it, intimacy, for the good, and the enemy lies to us. He plays a sound that is attractive. And I saw my peers, I saw my family begin to follow that, and I, I saw the results, I saw the consequences. Mm. So via negativa, by the negative way, I saw the, the effects, the destruction, the brokenness as a result of choosing very clearly, whether you're agnostic, atheist, Buddhist, whatever, whatever you are, hobbit, you know, you, you make decisions and based upon the truth of, the, of your nature in God, it's either going to approximate goodness, wholeness, peace, or devastation and destruction. So without that ever being proclaimed to me, the gospel was very real in the drama, in the adventure of we were presented with a truth. Mm-hmm. I often think of Cecil B. DeMille, the great producer of the Ten Commandments. And in a speech, he said, we really can't break the moral law, the Ten Commandments. We can only break ourselves against it. Mm-hmm. So my observation in the early years, I became aware of that. And I guess I also became aware that, you know, if the enemy is working so powerfully to cause good people, my family, my friends to make these choices and to see those results, um, there must be a good that is worth pursuing. It isn't just, and this is, was a little bit of a conflict for me of, um, I don't just want to be angry at the world, angry that the enemy is so formidable, which I was often in high school years. But what, what is the, what is, why am I focusing on the absence? Because evil is an absence of good. Hmm. Why am I fixated on the dark that seemed to be surrounding me. I get that that's part of it, but what is the good that my soul is meant to consume? And that led me on a path through high school years. And for me, by God's grace, the biggies I really didn't partake of, didn't get drunk, didn't have sex, praise God, until merit wedding night, um, and was very passionate about wanting to find ways to communicate that good. Mm. Um, And I'll say that that journey led through high school, through college at Miami of Ohio, Miami Right to Life founded a, a coalition of 23 campuses, which was very Christian, was the faith, was woven into our movement. Um, and again, if we don't get at identity, uh, you know, below, praise God for Dobbs, praise God for overturning Roe. Um, but the battle doesn't even just continue with the states. It continues with this journey that I experienced, awakening people to their core identity. In fact, I would say this boldly, the last three years, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, we tend to categorize people, set that aside. It's a portrait of a fatherless society. Hmm. I'm confident if you did interviews, if you did interviews with those who perpetrated maybe the the violence or the anger or the hatred that we're seeing there, transgenderism, all these sorts of things, you're gonna see a child who felt rejected, who's angry because of what was not provided in the home through a father and a mother, a husband and a wife. So all those elements, bottom line, has led me to recognize, wow, we are of the fabric of the Trinity. Hmm. We're of the fabric of the Trinity that it's not just me and God, that God fashioned this appetite to seek him in community and with others. And that's where it gets difficult Hmm. because families will find it easy, men, to break out on a Sunday morning and gather with other men and pray. That man is you, women, the same thing more fearful than running into a burning building on 9-11 to save those who we don't even know for a man is to enter into his own home, go eyeball to eyeball with his kids and to have the heart of the father and be attuned to what is moving this child of mine. And not just because we should or duty, it should start there maybe, but give me the desire and awareness that this adventure, this is the adventure to have the heart of the father, to be attuned and look in the eyes of a child and your spouse and ask what's going on there and can I behold it? Can I, 
Can I be a steward of it? Can I care for it? Can I nurture it? Can I open up their horizon to who they are and to recognize that landscape of their adventure? That's what I mean by this Trinitarian nature, that we do it together, that there's mutual self-gift going on there. And a father is uniquely called to facilitate that, to invite as from the earliest years, our kids to go in the woods and I'd bring a camera. We like make up these little stories and adventures or in the house, we'd write stories. Or when we went to bed, my kids would say, dad, tell the story of whatever. I didn't even remember that I told this amazing story, you know, I was in the darkness lying on their bed type of thing. But kids are fashioned for adventure because we're fashioned for adventure. And a father is a bit of that storyteller, make it happen, open up their horizon to look at the world, as Frank Sheed says, to see it God bathed. And to help them see that what they're reading about and hearing about, God is Lord, he's overall, he has a plan for you. And how can we together live this awesome adventure together? Yeah. I just fire hose you. You got to tell the audience, That's Greg good. is a fire hose. He just yeah. doesn't stop. They already get it. But <laughs> I love this one, the providence you started with the Hobbit. So my wife and I, uh, we read books together like out loud together. Mm -hmm. And then we'll often, if there's movies on the books, we'll watch the movies afterwards. So we literally just finished reading The Hobbit and then watching mm. The Hobbit movies like a couple months ago. Um, so starting with that was so interesting. And I love that that image of Bilbo Baggins and his comfortable life. And all of a sudden, these little people show up yep. and just, they're making a mess of things. They, they both create chaos, but then they also set it right again. Mm -hmm. Because I think what it's proposing is there was something disordered about, even though there was all this external order in Bilbo's life, there was still something disordered at the core. Mm. Right? So, so after the there and back again, the adventure, he's, there's a new like synthesis, you know, there's something even better because it's happening.